Welcome, listeners. Have you felt, recently or ever, that you didn't know which way to turn? What did you do? Who helped you out of that crisis? Anyone? As you refresh those feelings of anxiety and hopefully by now relief, here's some great Dunker Punk music as we begin our episode called Not So Hidden. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. I don't want to be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving, organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration. I want to be like John Wesley or Sarah Major or Anna Mao. I want to be like Martin Luther or Martin Luther King Jr. Like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Dillim or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, Jesus Christ. But mostly, I just want to be me. I just want to be me. Welcome back. I'm Nancy Fitzgerald, your host, and I'm so glad you are listening today because winter is a time when many people have increased anxiety. Some are anxious for weather reasons, others for life reasons. There always seems to be plenty of anxiety to go around. Take a deep breath and prepare to listen to people who are experts at inserting calm into the storm. In today's episode, Laura Weimer interviews staff from an agency called Doorways. They're in Arlington, Virginia, and they offer doorways of help for people who need to exit abuse and find safety. Specifically, Doorways helps those who are abused, women and those who have families suffering abuse or who need to get out of an abusive relationship. They offer shelter and help to ease the anxiety of beginning life again. I'll let them tell it as you listen to this in-depth account with Caroline and Krista about people who help the hidden homeless be not so hidden. 
you guys so much for joining me today. Um, today I'm at Doorways speaking with Caroline and Krista. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourselves and how you got involved with Doorways? Sure. Um, I'm Caroline Jones and I'm the president and CEO here at Doorways. And um, I'm starting my 14th year um, with, uh, with this wonderful place and, and nonprofit in our community. And um, I got involved many years ago as a volunteer and um, really fell in love with the organization and all that we're able to do in people's lives. And my name's Krista Carlton, and I am currently the Domestic and Sexual Violence Program Director at Doorways. And I found Doorways right after college and um, joined our family home team and really grew in my experience here and my respect for the helping profession. Um, went away to graduate school and missed Doorways and was excited to come back with a different level of skill and to be able to support our mission again. And so could you tell me a little bit about the organization, um, about Doorways and what is Doorways' goal and um, who does Doorways help? Sure, those are, those are some great questions. Um, quite simply, uh, but far from simple. Uh, doorways exists to create pathways for people who are experiencing homelessness um, or domestic or sexual violence. And those pathways, we hope, um, give them the tools to lead safe, stable, and empowered lives. And the, the question of who we help, um, it's interesting when people see the name of our organization, our full name, Doorways for Women and Families, um, often they presume that we are serving women and children when in fact the, the cases we serve everyone and uh, the issues that we're here to help people overcome uh, impact every gender, every uh, age, and, and every composition of, of family, from people who are single on their own um, to grandparents with caring for their grandchildren. So we serve, um, the majority of our clients are, are women, um, but in every program that we offer, our shelters, our hotline, our counseling, our court advocacy, um, everything we do, uh, we also are serving men who are, who are single at this time in their life or who are our parents um, and, and we're here for them. And kind of the thing that uh, is, is also interesting to know about doorways is the majority of our clients are children. And these are kids who um, range in age from newborn to 18, and um, they're with one or both of their parents. And uh, we're really proud to be able to fill a really special time in their life um, and make sure that they are able to be a kid here at Doorways and continue to grow up with safety and, and having people around them who are really on their side. Sounds like you guys do a lot of really important work here. Could you give me a little, you know, specifics on what exactly Doorways does? Um, I know you all had the four-tiered strategy, and I've heard it has now gone to three tiers, um, if that is correct. So if you could just, like, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, your strategy and specifically the kinds of help you provide for, you know, women, men, children, everybody that you help. Absolutely. Um, the fourth tier is still in there. We just tried to right. make the wording more concise. So uh, we certainly have not dropped anything. Um, but, uh, but really, when we began almost 40 years ago in the community, we had one small, tiny, temporary house. And, and our goal was to make sure people who didn't have a safe place to live had one, and even if it was temporary. 
And what we've learned in the four decades that we've been, been providing this service in the community is that we needed far more than one doorway. And to really fulfill meeting the needs of people who are experiencing homelessness and interpersonal violence, um, we needed to really be where they are and, and help them get where they aim to go. So we offer uh, the first tier of our three-tiered strategy is responding to people in crisis. And people can reach us from anywhere uh, through our 24-hour sexual and domestic violence hotline. And from there, they can access all of the resources we provide, um, in addition to having someone uh, go with them to the hospital or to medical services if that's what they need in that moment. Um, and also for people in crisis who are looking to establish safety from abuse through accessing some of the legal tools that, that are available for them, we have at the Arlington County Courthouse court advocates who are there to help them figure out how do you do this. Um, it's pretty intimidating to walk into a courthouse, um, especially when your primary focus is survival and, and being safe. We have people there to help you um, navigate that. And our second tier is after people are safe um, and have contacted, okay, what, what do I do to become safe? Uh, we put that safe roof overhead. For people who are not able to provide a place for their children to sleep at night or um, the place that they have is one where there's violence or where they're just um, in harm's way, we really strive to be a place in the community where people have, that, have an option. So we have two emergency shelters. One is for survivors of domestic violence, which Krista will talk more about. Um, and we also have a shelter for families who are homeless. And beyond that, beyond those two physical shelters, um, we have an array of supports, both in the immediate um, as well as in the long term, for people to have an apartment and have housing of their own, which is ultimately where we want to see people go. Um, and many times the, the goals that our clients have um, can't really be achieved in a brief shelter stay. And so we stay with families um, and, and our clients uh, to the best that we can as they transition into living in that home of their own and get their footing underneath them in that process. And that brings me to the third tier, which is after we have safety and a safe place to, to live, um, how do we make that lasting difference? How do we really empower our clients to meet the goals that matter them, to them and ultimately prevent them from being in a situation where they aren't safe in the future? So we wrap around our clients with things like um, very tailored services that help people learn everything from very basic things to more complicated. So how do I manage my own finances? How do I pay rent and then food and then childcare? Um, can be pretty daunting. Um, how do I get a job? How do I get a better job? Uh, we also have a lot of programs and services for the kids in our programs. Play therapy, art therapy, talk therapy, um, things to really help them heal from what no child should ever bear witness to or in most cases directly experience. Um, and finally, uh, we offer um, counseling for every age in our, in our youth, adults and, and very young children because that makes the lasting difference for people to really develop tools so that they can see warning signs down the road, so that they can um, have, 
have that sense of wellness, which um, is often taken from them in addition to getting them past that crisis or past that, that um, immediate need so that they can really have a brighter future. It sounds like Doorways in general does a whole lot. And <laughs> so I'm sure it's hard to you know break it down specifically even what you all do individually. Um, could you just touch a little bit about you know what each of you does on not even on a day-to-day -day basis but even a day-to-day -day basis or overall as your job um, what specifically do you all do at doorways sure um, so as the domestic and sexual violence program director really my main priority is supporting my team and serving callers as well as our clients um, so at our safe house location we have um, families and single folks who are staying with us and we're making sure that their basic needs are met um, that they have the opportunity to identify goals and to make progress on those goals. Um, we're also very thrilled to offer a kennel program. Um, we're one of the only programs in the country and actually the only program in the state that offers that to make sure that there are no barriers to people leaving an unsafe situation and pets are just like family members and we want to make sure that they're out of harm's way as well. Um, so it's overseeing those locations and making sure that everything's running smoothly, that the staff are supported, that clients are supported, um, and then just providing the coordination and the advocacy um, to support the movements around domestic violence and sexual violence and ensuring that people are getting what they need and um, that we're moving the needle forward, that there's resources available and that there's supportive, coordinated services across the community. That was Krista. Um, so uh, my role is um, as the president and CEO, um, no day is ever the same. And uh, I love that about my, my role here at Doorways. I get to work with um, a tremendous team of staff. We have uh, just about 50 staff here at Doorways um, and uh, really making sure they have what they need to do a pretty tough job every single hour of the day. Um, it's really, um, it always kind of takes me aback when I think about uh, every single hour of the day we have someone working at Doorways. And now that our, our programs have grown and we have multiple shelters and people going to the hospital with people at all hours of the day and night, um, that can be a, a, a number of people working while I'm, while I'm home in bed. Um, so for, for me here at Doorways, um, really engaging the community, engaging um, leaders in the community, engaging neighbors to care about neighbors, uh, because it takes a lot of resources to change the number of lives that we set out to change. And um, it's something that just inspires me every single day because to see that impact and to see um, a family come into our safe house or into our family home um, with the clothes on their back and their heads down and filled with fear, um, not knowing what's going to happen next in their lives and they haven't known that answer for a while. To see them a week later, a month later, even five years later, which sometimes I get to do, and see where they take the help that they get here at Doorways. It, gets me out of bed every single day. And I look forward to coming to work and, and working with these amazing people to uh, have that kind of a change in my community. And I think we get the question a lot of, you know, how can you keep going each day when you're immersed in some of these really 
difficult issues and I think exactly what Caroline said, the resilience that people demonstrate is just inspiring and to see the level of support that people provide to each other in times of need is incredible. Um, and to be able to watch that process is really a privilege and to be able to be there when people at their, are at their most vulnerable and to watch them overcome so much and to really show so much strength and perseverance is um, just a privilege. so much for sharing um, what, about what you do and so now we're going to move maybe to a little bit um, general about domestic violence and homelessness so in general um, and even thinking about maybe some of Doorway's clients um, what are some things people might not know about homelessness and domestic violence and um, do you think there are common misconceptions about homelessness and domestic violence? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that would be yeah. the answer. We'll probably have a lot to say on this topic. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, Krista, do you want to? Um, I, I, yeah, I can start with some of the misconceptions that are out there right now. I think um, when it comes to homelessness, I think people really attribute personal responsibility to people being in that kind of situation without kind of recognizing what's going on on a systemic level, a cultural level, a historical level that's contributing to those kinds of social issues. Um, and then I think specifically at Doorways, we look at the strong interconnectedness between domestic violence and homelessness and that really being one of the leading causes of family homelessness. Um, and so I think just people understanding where it comes from and how easy it is to become homeless and to need that kind of help um, is not widely known. Um, in terms of domestic violence, we've done such a wonderful job in the last few years um, with bringing light to the issue and all the wonderful social media campaigns and hashtags that are really trying to highlight the misconceptions around how do people end up in these relationships when they recognize that they're in that kind of relationship, why are they staying without immediately getting out? Um, and what are the ways that we can help each other um, so that people can be safe more quickly than maybe they have in the past? Right, I, I would, yeah, well said, Krista. I would add um, some things that have been really surprising, and, and Krista and I have been working in this field for a pretty long time. Um, but it's still, you know, we've come a long way, certainly as a country and as a community in kind of taking down some of that blame that we have for people who, who are facing such hardship. And when we, you know, have the privilege of sitting with them and hearing what, what they've experienced in life, um, it didn't just happen. And it's not as though their first date started with the kind of abuse they're facing today. It's a progressive pattern of behavior that um, by the time it reaches the point where we are involved, um, many of our clients have been enduring this for years, um, sometimes decades and sometimes a lifetime. And I think starting with that kind of compassion, starting with that kind of, of, of empathy um, and taking that blame off of people uh, goes such a long way in, in their resilience and in their strength to really know that they deserve another chance, they deserve another way forward. Um, so if there, if there was a myth that we could dispel, I think that would be 
the biggest one. Um, and kind of on the prevalent side, I think another piece that is continues to be surprising is is how prevalent family homelessness and interpersonal violence are. And we often see in our daily comings and goings, we'll see single people perhaps out asking for change or you know, sleeping on the streets. Um, and so when we think of homelessness, we often do think of a population that's not those that come to doorways. And oftentimes homeless families are referred to as the hidden homeless because you really just don't see them, even though every single day in your comings and goings, going to school, going to work, I guarantee that you're coming in a, into contact with somebody who at some point in their life or someone they know has been homeless. Um, so that just awareness building is something that I think we can absolutely um, add, add to and build. Um, when families are homeless, the last thing they're gonna do is take their kids and live on the street. When they're living in a violent home, that's why they stay, because the last thing they wanna do is see their kids going without, you know? Um, so as a result of that kind of hidden nature of this particular issue, these numbers can really rise and become quite epidemic before we really have an idea of how bad it's gotten. And in fact, even here in Arlington, which is such a, an affluent place in our country, uh, we have needs that go beyond the resources we have to meet them. And many times, just in the past couple of months, we've had to place families in hotels uh, because our shelter, every shelter bed we had was full. Or families have had to stay with us longer than, than they really need to in shelter because finding an affordable place to live after shelter isn't out there for them. So our work is far from done and we continue to see younger and younger families coming in to help as well, which in some ways is absolutely heartbreaking, but in some ways it's also positive because if we can get help to people sooner before they experience abuse and homelessness again and again and again, then hopefully we can put an end to things that too often become cycles. So the first time that people often experience abuse is between the ages of 16 and 24. And the likelihood of experiencing abuse is having experienced it before. Um, that, that dramatically increases a person's risk of being in a, in a violent relationship, as having been abused before. So if we can get to people sooner, um, and ideally before that abuse ever even occurs, um, then we can get on the other side of this epidemic and we can actually start to curb what is a rising problem. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, I was wondering if there's any you know, stories or any clients or families that really stand out in your mind um, through all the work and knowledge that you've gained throughout all this. Is there anybody that really like stands out in your mind? There's quite a few. Yeah, today. <laughs> it's hard to really forget anyone, um, but I think as I'm reflecting, there's a family recently who um, really demonstrated how much it takes to really achieve what you want in life and the number of times that it takes to fall down and get back up. Um, so we had a family who uh, has stayed with us several different times and we know that the average number of times that people leave a relationship is seven before they're able to get out permanently. Um, and so we continue to be there each time the the person wants to come back and try it again. Um, and one of 
the most difficult barriers is just the isolation that people experience when they're in a domestic violence situation and that without finding some place like doorways, they're not sure where to turn or, or who's able to help them. So this particular family came to us and um, the most recent time they stayed with us, mom was pregnant um, and really trying to figure out if her partner could ever be the kind of dad that she wanted to see for her children. Um, she held out so much hope that he could change and um, that throughout these years together that he was learning and um, that she, he was really going to be able to be that partner that she was hoping for. Um, so when she first came to us, she was pregnant and uh, totally alone. She was brought here from another state by her partner um, and had no family in the area, no real friends because of the isolation. And so while she was staying with us, she was able to obtain employment. Um, she also had her child while she was in shelter. And um, I think one of the remarkable things about doorways is just what we do to go above and beyond to be with someone in the moment in their lives when they need someone else most. And so this mom, when she went into labor, went to the hospital. We didn't have any emergency contact for her because all of her family lives across the country. Um, so our children's counselor was there for her to help find a safe place for her other children to be staying while she was concentrating on having her baby. And then our children's program manager was there throughout her labor and delivery process so that she was not alone in the hospital during those moments. And then ensuring that she had everything she needed when she came home with her new baby. Um, so she really worked very hard to engage in the different services in our program and um, to really have that resolve that it was time to move forward in a different direction that he, she had tried before. Um, and she did a wonderful job just hitting all of the benchmarks that she was trying to get to. And she moved into permanent housing, into her own apartment. Um, her children engaged in our children's program and they were like the light of our lives each day because their little personalities are so incredible and being able to come in and have someone say hi and block the door before you could leave at night to make sure you say goodbye to them and I want to show you this picture I drew and being able to be a part of those children's lives um, was also an incredibly special experience so they really touched us because of their personalities and um, their ability to connect with everyone on the team. Um, but I think her story specifically illustrates just how difficult it is to get out and to stay out and to find that path to economic independence, but also to build a different support system separate from the abusive partner that you've known and his contacts or her contacts um, to be able to really rebuild your life in a way that suits you and um, is supportive of you and your family and your goals. So um, she sticks out. I can share other stories. Sure. I... <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, okay. <clears throat> Maybe I can share one about um, a recent, we've had some male clients come and stay with us and um, I think it helps highlight just how difficult it is for men to come forward because of the shame that's placed on men around the role of male in, in our culture and what does masculinity look like. And 
so I can think back to um, a time last year when we had someone calling on our hotline for several days telling us about his relationship and us reflecting and providing some psychoeducation on what domestic violence looks like. And he came to the realization that he was not in a healthy relationship and that he wanted to make a change. Um, his story also really highlights the challenges around um, immigration and how people can be abused because of being part of a specific population. So his partner was really threatening to take his papers, um, to try to get him in trouble with authorities, to try to get him deported. Um, and it took a lot of work on our end, helping him educate, helping educate him about the process and about the protections in the United States for people who are victims of crime and what entitlements there are for people who have had those experiences and just the fear that paralyzes everyone. He's, she was threatening his family, um, harassing and stalking all of them. And so when he came in, he very quickly got to work on a plan around connecting with immigration lawyers, connecting with our court advocate, and really trying to find that pathway. Um, in his home country, he had done such amazing work um, starting social organizations and helping other people that one of his main goals was he wanted to get on the other side of this experience so that he could turn around and help other people out of it. So he was really thankful to be in a place um, that was safe and that was inclusive and accepted him. And um, what we hear very often is that people have no idea that places like this exist. Um, and he really made an impact on our children there as well because um, our other moms would come up and say, you know, my children haven't had a positive father figure in their life. And he was an uncle, loved kids, and, you know, would go outside and play soccer with everyone. And so it really created this community feel within our safe house um, and illustrated to us the specific types of abuse that men experience at the hands of women. Um, so ultimately, he was able to rent a room in the area and... Um, our financial counselor worked with him on his personal business and how to get his documentation in order and make sure that he's getting paid for the work that he's doing and that you know he has his tax ID number and everything's in order for him to be able to um, get where he needs to go in life. And um, he was awarded a protective order. It took two times for the judges to be able to kind of recognize that what they were seeing was imminent danger and was deserving of that kind of protection um, so we were very thrilled for him that throughout his stay, he was able to accomplish the things that he was looking for. And he engaged in our counseling program and our support groups. And um, he really was an external processor. So you got to hear a lot about the connections that he was making about the relationship he had been in and what aspects were healthy, what aspects weren't healthy for his next relationship, you know, what would he like to see changed? Um, what would he like to keep from that relationship? So um, it, it was really nice to be part of that process with him and his healing journey and um, to have the different supports available to, to people who sometimes are shamed coming forward um, and to be able to be there to help him. So many more, <laughs> but I don't know if maybe that's an, no, enough. I think, or... I think what Krista is is really, you know, sharing very very clearly in these two examples, and and just to kind of put it in context, we reached over almost three thousand people last oh. year, 
And but every single person is just that a person. And that's where we start. And you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you know someone or or you are someone who might need help, um, just know that you don't have to change everything about yourself and that, you know, there's help here that will just be nothing but a guide and a space for you. And um, that's that's what I think is really um, the best thing that we do here at Doorways is we give people the space to have their strengths back and to um, to really create a life that that they envisioned for themselves, you know, maybe long ago or not that long ago. Um, but it's always in their hands. And um, so none of the stories that we're sharing are um, things that we design for our clients. It's it's really we're creating kind of the bricks and the pathway for them to walk down and to have have a different future, which is pretty cool. individuals and communities you know including church communities or other faith communities but also just individuals in general and do to support work of organizations like doorways and support individuals who are in need or in crisis so 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 much so (laughs) so I'll start with kind of on the on the community level and and what faith communities and and communities can do and then I'll turn it over for Krista to to kind of give some some guidance and how to support someone in need Um, it's just incredible we would not be able to do anything that we do if it weren't for for being in a a compassionate community and they from ways large and small it's just incredible the ways that um, that people get engaged around doorways and they help others through doorways Um, everything we do here from helping our kids in our in our programs have diapers to helping them have a financial counselor or a phone to call at two in the morning. That all comes from the community. And so the ways that people can get involved are just tremendous. <laughs> we have uh, folks who are just incredible advocates and really get out there and make sure that this, this hidden sec- segment of um, our homeless population or of people who, who need help um, aren't quite so hidden anymore, and that people are really able to engage in kind of the the solutions. Um, Incredible people who get out and do advocacy on things like affordable housing or um, being an upstander instead of a bystander if you see someone in a bar um, who who might become a victim of of sexual assault. Um, The the range of ways people can get involved are tremendous. Um, The way that faith communities specifically have been a part of doorways Um, it was actually an interfaith uh, council a group of volunteers from many different congregations came together to open our first shelter and create this response in our community Uh, so I think that faith communities stand in a unique position to make really big impact Um, we have groups that do all kinds of really amazing things from in-kind drives to make sure we have the the tangible things our clients need every day Uh, gift card drives so that people can get what they need down the road, Um, providing financial support so that we can offer the kind of programs for the number of people we need to be reaching, Um, and and really getting out there in in that public awareness arena is tremendous for us. Uh, We have groups that do um, fun runs or, um, or 
you know, gatherings or all kinds poetry of things. Slams. Poetry slams. <laughs> um, you know, there's, it doesn't have to cost anybody a lot to get involved, but um, just bringing that awareness and reminding people that, hey, you have a neighbor who could use some help, and this is the, this is the pathway that you can do that um, is pretty, pretty incredible. I think our volunteer um, team is astounding. I am overwhelmed just by appreciation for them every day, the amount of work that they contribute in so many different ways. So it's really kind of taking a step back to identify what skills do you have or what do you have to share with other people and then finding that niche. And I think that's one of Doorway's strengths is that we have so many different types of opportunities for volunteering for people. We have folks who are trained to go out to the hospital or to answer the hotline. We have people who provide coverage at our shelters on the weekends. Um, we have people who come in just to play with our kids so that parents can have a break or be able to attend a meeting in peace. Um, we have people who go shopping for us each week to make sure that we have the groceries to feed all of the folks in our shelters. Um, so, and then we'll get really specific where we have a certain client and um, we know that we have a volunteer with a special skill and we'll call on that person to help with maybe some kind of career advice or helping us with um, a consistent translator being present during our, our meetings and things like that. So um, everyone has a way that they can help and um, we're happy to help people tap into what that is. Um, I think a lot of times we get questions of, you know, if this is happening to me or if this is happening to a friend or family member, what is the best way for me to respond? And, you know, how much is too much to intervene? And, um, you know, I'd, I'd really tell everyone to just start by listening is really trying to create a safe and supportive space for someone to open up about what they're going through. Um, and they may not share everything the very first time you create that space, but it's really about building that relationship and that trust with someone. Um, and having a non-judgmental response. Like Caroline said, we're really trying to remove the victim blaming that happens so often that prevents people from coming forward and seeking support. Um, we wanna make sure that people always have a supportive experience when they reach out because we always want them to reach out. Um, also making sure that people are aware of what resources exist in the community. So please share our hotline number wide and far. Um, everyone can call and they can ask questions and um, process what they're going through or what someone else is going through and get additional input on ways to approach the situation. Um, so we help just with people kind of understanding those situations and um, how to specifically navigate each specific situation that someone's going through. Um, so I would say make sure to share the resources and reflect any concerns that you're seeing about someone, um, but kind of refrain from being that advice giver or um, just try to, try to listen as best you can. Great, well thank you so much. Um for agreeing to do this podcast and thank you so much for sharing you know your expertise and insight um it was really great learning more about doorways and um the people you help serve thank, thank you, you so much thank you very much it was a pleasure we can pull out many quotes but it all boils down to in everything do to others as you would have them do to you. 
for this is the law and the prophets. That's in Matthew 7, verse 12. We must say out loud that many other words of Jesus have been used as a weapon to keep people in violent situations. I think we need to recognize this. Jesus speaks against divorce in the sermon, and those words have been used against women and men to keep them in abusive marriages. We need to remember that divorce in Jesus' day meant that a man, and only the husband could divorce, was abandoning the wife. No matter how we might hear those words today, in Jesus' day, the woman was abandoned, period. She had no say in the arrangement. A woman had to be associated with a man in that day and time, either a husband or a father, in order to survive. And men could divorce their wives for a variety of reasons, including for not producing a male heir. So please... If you hear Jesus' words used to keep a woman in an abusive relationship, or even if you have thought about it in your abusive marriage, please know the truth and help someone else hear it. Jesus speaks against actions that cause a woman to become homeless or abandoned. Shelters and organizations like that we just heard from offer the needed doorway to a home and a new life of safety and security. Caroline is right when she says that homeless families are often hidden in ways that single people, especially men, are not. Some of us know of children who go hungry except for school lunches. There are programs now in place to help provide them assistance. But what if the whole family is in need and scared to be visible at all? Thanks to doorways and the many helping hands that work with their clients, there is help and safety available. The challenge for this episode is to find out who is offering a doorway out of abuse in your neighborhood or city. If you needed to refer someone right now, would you know whom to call? Would you know how to put them in contact with immediate help? And would you make that call with them by your side? We all have work to do, and finding out where help exists is as important as offering shelter in the storm. In many cases, it's more important because a safe, protected, maybe hidden shelter is what many women and children must have. So, Dunker Punks, find out about the people in your locale who assist the victims of abuse, and then pray for them. Support them with your time or your money, and make sure everyone you know has that information, too. Thank you, Dunker Punks, for by listening today, you have taken the first steps to be an answer for people who don't know which way to turn. May Christ, the author of these great words of life, go with you and with all who seek shelter from the storm. Take a listen. For the Dunker Punks. Oh, oh for the Dunker Punks. Yeah. yeah that's cool. That's a cool group. What's up, Dunker Punks? What does it even mean to be a Dunker Punk? What does it mean to live out Jesus' calling in a changing world? Dunker Punks. Make their communities look a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven. Dunker Punks. Figure out a way to hold on to the hope that another way is possible. Dunker Punks. Love everyone, even our enemies. Dunker Punks. For nonviolent, nonconformist Anabaptists sharing audio accounts of following Jesus to God's revolutionary reality. We seek truth to spread love and stand up for the marginalized. I'm your host, Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald. Hello, my name is Kevin Schatz. Dana Cassell here. Hey, this is Sarah Olaminick. I'm Dylan. Hello, I'm Nathan Hustler. Hey, this is Emmett Eldred. 
My name is Laura Weimer. Hello, I'm Amy Gehring. I'm Jonathan Stauffer. I'm Suzanne. Josh Brockaway. Hi friends, Elizabeth Ullery Swenson here. My name is Noemi Flores. Hello, my name is Jacob Krause, and you're listening to Dunker Punk's podcast. With support from Arlington Church of the Brethren. On Earth Peace. Office of Public Witness. Dunker Fox. Committed to Jesus' radical anti-empire love in our own world. Disciples of Christ, putting the words of Jesus, especially the words that we read in the Sermon on the Mount, into action every day. Hit it, Jacob! Countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving, organic gardener. Like what you hear? Consider making a donation at arlingtonclb.org slash dpppdonor. We were talking about Dunker Punks. They were they uh-huh. are very excited about Dunker Punks. Dunker Punks for life. See you next time. The Dunker Punks podcast is a collaboration among a dozen young adult contributors who provide audio to enlighten our path and help us become part of the solution. I'm Nancy Fitzgerald, pastor of the Arlington Church of the Brethren, who hosts this podcast at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp. Suzanne Lay is our producer and edited the audio this week. Jacob Krause writes and performs our original music. We would love to hear from you on social media. Spread the word about this podcast by tagging Dunker Punk's Pod. You can also leave us a review. Next episode, Jonathan Stauffer is back with an interview from one of our biggest supporters, Bill Shearer, the Executive Director of On Earth Peace. Until then, go in peace and be someone's refuge in the storm. Don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural.